Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. Yeah, great to be with you and to celebrate the church along with you. 30 years, congratulations on that. That's wonderful. And uh, thanks, Brad, for the invitation. And it just turned out it was a weekend I was available, so really good to be here. I just want you to know I really appreciate both Pastor Brad and Yvonne. I think they're great people. My wife and I like them a lot. And the only reason my wife's not here is we're off to a, a trip soon, and she had to make sure she was prepared for that. But also, I just appreciate what Pastor Brad is able to do on the national board. There's a, an insight and contribution that he brings that gives us another perspective, which is wonderful on boards that you get different people with different perspectives coming together. But I'm very proud of you guys. You've done a great job leading this church. And I'm expecting not only will it continue well, but it's even going to grow beyond and stronger than where it is now. Amen? Isn't that great? Yeah. So... We're here to celebrate the church, but did you know that there are actually some bad attitudes about church that are out there? Ooh, surprised, right? <laughs> well, um, it's like this, uh, this wife, she's waking up her husband to go to church. And he says, I don't want to go to church today. And come on, you got to get ready. And yeah, but the, there's a football game on today that I want to watch. And, you know, and she comes back and he's still in bed. Come on, get up. Yeah, but it's a nice day and there's stuff in the yard I got to get done. And and she comes back, shakes him again. Come on, you got to get up and get ready. He's like, yeah, but last week, like, you know, people weren't very friendly to me, and I didn't really get that much out of church, and why should I go? And she goes, come on, people were friendly to you, and it's not just about what you can get out of church. It's what you put in. And besides, you're the pastor, so get out of bed and get to church. <laughs> Some people, they even will say they like Jesus, but they don't like the church, which is a little bit of a surprising statement because did you know that Jesus is all about the church? The church is the bride that he loves. The church is the family that he's forming to spend eternity with. Church is the body that he expresses himself through. So when you say you like Jesus, but you don't like the church, it kind of doesn't make sense because that's what he's all about. And Christians through the ages have also put a high priority on the church. In some of the historic creeds, some that are read even every Sunday in church to this day, like the Apostles' Creed, talks about the church. There's a part of the creed that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints. When it says Catholic there, it's not meaning like the Roman Catholic Church, but it's the, the small c, meaning the universal church. Everybody who's been born again by the Spirit of God, who's received Jesus as their Savior and Lord, they make up that Catholic church. And when Christians through the centuries say, I believe in the church, it's not like, well, I believe that it exists, but I believe that it's a central part of God's plan for what he's doing in the world. And I myself, I love the church. And I feel privileged to be able to serve it in the various ways I have down through the years. When this church was planted, I was pastoring in Nelson. We later got to serve as missionaries and various roles through the church and now as president. 
but I, I consider it a, a privilege, but also something that I love. I really love the conference. Hoping to provoke a little bit of that love and appreciation for the church. So there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 19 to 22, I'm going to read, and then make some comments based on that verse. Ephesians 2, 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The picture that's being drawn here is of this, this building that's under construction, this temple that's going to be this dwelling place and is this dwelling place for God. And you're part of that. Another passage talks about every believer being like a living stone that's being placed and being used as a building block within that building. So when we talk about this building being made, it's not a, a physical building. Like years ago, I had a friend who said, yeah, when I was a kid, we used to drive past the church. And if I saw the lights were on, I kind of thought, well, God's at home today. And so, he, you know, that was how he thought about churches. That's where God lives. And so make sure you, you dress up nicely when you go to God's house to visit him. Um, but that's not what's being talked about here. It's that spiritual. So I want to give you some reasons that I love the church. And one of them is because it's a place of belonging. The whole context of this passage, and even this book of Ephesians, is it's written to a group of what they would call as Gentiles, basically non-Jews. And there had been a lot of bad blood between the Jews and the Gentiles over the years. There was historic conflicts that have been there, there were racial differences, there were cultural differences, there were political differences, there was a lot that divided them from one another. And the whole point of this book of Ephesians is, you were this, but now you're a part of God's people. You were this, but now you belong. You were this, but now we are one together. And really the point that's being made is that the things that bind us together the things that hold us together as a church are far more important than the things that divide us. There's a, uh, a mention of Jesus in this passage of being a cornerstone. And that was one of the names of the church for a while was Cornerstone. Actually, there's one name I don't think I ever heard of there. The something brook. I, I don't think I, Waterbrook. I don't think I'd ever heard of that name before. But Jesus in this passage is being spoken of as the cornerstone. And in historic, like these ancient buildings... The cornerstone was the most important stone. Sometimes it was larger, but it was the one that they took the most care with and making sure that it was um and level and square and all of these things because the rest of the stones would all be laid out in alignment to it. It's the one that set the shape and the structure and the lines of the building. So even today, we are being aligned with Jesus. That's what aligns us with one another is when we're aligned with Jesus, he holds us together. One of the, the ways that we've been able to serve Jesus through the years is we served during a time of a civil war. The civil war started in 1983 with a, a group of Sri Lankan army. Attacked a group of Sri Lankan army. There was a riot in their capital city. And this war got started. Lots of, of terrible 
events happened during that time between 1983 and 1999. While we were there, we lived in the city, which wasn't an active war zone, but there were terrorists who had come into the city and uh, suicide bombers and jump on a, the car of some politician that they wanted to do away with and detonate these bombs. I mean, so you can imagine all of the, the heartache and things over the years that have formed between these two, the Tamil and the Sinhalese people. So when we went to Sri Lanka shortly after this war ended, uh, we were at their national convention, and something that they did deeply moved me. They got a family who was Tamil, who had been deeply affected by the war, and they got a, Tam a family that was Sinhalese, who had been deeply affected by the war. And these families both volunteered to come forward, and what they did is they washed each other's feet. Because in Christ, who they were, what bound them together, was so much more important than all of the war and politics and hurts and everything else that had divided them over the years. And just, I mean, I'm not a very emotional kind of guy. My wife would tell you that. No, she is. So she was kind of crying openly. And I, I had a little tear going down my cheek, which is kind of a big deal for me. But it just so moved me, that unity that was displayed there. And in church, sometimes people come and they feel like they're on the outside. They feel like they don't belong. It's like the devil attacks with a, a spirit of rejection and, and they feel like, well, everybody else has it all together or everybody else belongs as part of this group, but I don't. And so they sit nervously and, or they go off. And even among groups of pastors, this happens. And a lot of years at our annual conventions, I make a point of saying, you're welcome here. And you might feel like you're an outsider and feel like all these things. And every year people come to me and say, thank you for saying that because that's how I was feeling. But the church is intended to be a place of belonging, a place of acceptance, a place of embracing. And if, if you happen to be one of those who feel like you don't belong, that's a lie from the pit. And you do belong and you are welcome within that body. So, oh, and another thing, just before I move on from that, is I talked about being all together. You know one of the great things about the church is you don't have to have it all together in order to be part of the church. Isn't that, can you say amen to that? Because the fact is, in terms of perfection, Jesus, he's a 10 out of 10, but the rest of us were maybe fives or six or sevens, and we're on our way, but we still got a lot of stuff to work on. In fact, none of us has already arrived there, but we're all under construction, which is the whole point of this passage, is the building is being built. It's not already complete and perfect, but it's under construction. So if you're imperfect, you belong here. The second reason I love the church is simply because I'm invested in it. Uh, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it, it kind of begs the question when you read this passage. It talks about this church being built. And the question is, who's building the church? Didn't Jesus say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? So Jesus is building his church, right? So then do we sit back and watch and kind of, good job, Jesus. We like this church you're building. Is that how it works? Well, if you go on in this book that we're reading and read some other passages about building, it talks about how Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And it goes on to say, that the whole body builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So in fact, Jesus is building his church, but do you know how he's building his church? 
through you and me. Whenever we build someone else, whenever we invest into their life, when we, the word edify is used a lot in the Bible, which is actually a word that means build. When we build one another, we are building his church. And some people are great at adding new stones to the building, you know, evangelism we would call that, but we're all together in building that church up together. Jesus is doing it through us. Even Paul, who's writing this, considered himself to be an expert builder in building the church. So the expectation isn't that Jesus is building his church and we watch, but that we participate, that we all get together and get involved in that. And that investment in building his church changes, his heart, changes our hearts, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's like a, uh, I was just recently in, in Stony Creek in Ontario, and there's this group from another denomination, and um, their father had planted and developed and even built a building for this church, and, and in the last year, he's passed away. And so the family has been carrying the church along, and they were, the church has, has gone down in size a little bit, and they're wondering how they're going to survive into the future. And, and just talking to them, it's like, well, what do you want? Well, we love this church. We don't want anything to happen to this church. We want this community of believers to stay together. Our hope is that something would happen that we can continue to worship and serve here. Their hearts were there because they'd been part of that over the years. Um, some churches, uh, well, well, sometimes in terminology, people have used the, the phrase, being called to the ministry. And it's a little bit of a pet peeve to me because... When someone is called to the ministry, my question is, which ministry is the ministry? Because there's a ministry of being a pastor, but there's a ministry of being an evangelist, there's a ministry of hospitality, there's a ministry of serving, there's a ministry of encouragement, there's a ministry of mercy, there's all of these ministries, so which ministry is the ministry? And who is called to ministry, period? And the answer is, every believer is called to ministry of some kind. Not all are called to be pastors, but all believers are called to ministry of some kind. It's like, I like the little uh, Canucks colors being flown up here. I thought it was, you know, someone coming from the West Coast, Vancouver, and maybe Matt had done that. Because, but, <laughs> but the historic thing is, is pretty cool. And thank you, by the way, team, for the, the worship service this morning and some of those songs I haven't heard for maybe decades. <laughs> um, so it was wonderful. A definition of hockey that I once heard is 30,000 people desperately needing exercise, watching 30 people who desperately need a rest. And uh, some churches I've seen kind of operate that way. There's a few people doing everything, and everybody else kind of feels like they're the audience watching. And and that's not the way Jesus has intended it to be. We're all ministers. We're all meant to be engaged in, in building this thing up together and investing ourselves, our time, our energy, our skills, our resources into this thing and building up what Jesus is doing in the earth. This is his mission that we are participating in. And I love being part of that mission. Another reason I love the church is because people are transformed through it. And the whole idea of building is the idea of also being transformed and shaped in that context of that building, in context of that church. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting with someone I knew, and, and they were reminding me of their testimony. And they talked about how as a child, they were brought up in this tar paper shack, and being from poverty, they kind of were looked down on as a family. And in school, he was bullied, and at home, he was abused. 
And he was, he was even at one point, they'd, some people had bullied him by taking him and hanging him over the edge of a bridge by his ankles and dangling him in there to terrorize him. And he said, and I was terrorized. Like for years, that, that just fixed in his heart. And, and he had this feeling like he was worthless and he was unloved and, and there was no future for him. And then someone introduced him to Jesus and brought him to church. And in that context of church, he started to get healed up and encouraged and built up. And there were gifts that he had that were identified and strengthened. And he ended up being able to serve in in many different roles in the church. And he just said, my life is a testimony of someone who could have just committed suicide early or or gone off in an area of rebellion. But through the church, I've become like someone who's, who's served God his whole life. And the church does that. It, it's that healing, kind of transforming body that we can participate in. And I find it interesting that part of our passage says that, and in him you two are being built together. And I know being built together means being fit together, but it, there's also this idea that we're built within that context of the building. We're, we're being built within the context of the church. This is like the ideal place for us to grow as Christians in the context of the church. And even in the way that we think, do you realize that the groups that you belong to have profound influence on how you think about things? And sometimes we need just to come to church to to wash away the thinking of the world and to get back to a Christian perspective and be reminded of the things that are true. Uh, While we were missionaries in Sri Lanka, uh, I used to get exercise by going for walks. And when I exercise, I'm a head sweater. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of this wet, sweaty mess by the time I finish my exercise. And, and then the same was true there. So what I would do is my wife would be going for groceries, and I'd, I'd go down there with her, and then I'd walk home in the tropical heat of Sri Lanka. And, you know, by the time I'm home, you know, think, you know everything's dripping and wet, and, and I'm ready for something to drink and to replenish all of my fluids. But sometimes it would rain. But it didn't really matter because it was a warm rain. It was a warm country, and it wasn't like I got cold, and I would just walk on through the rain. But a funny thing started to happen. As these three-wheeler drivers and even taxis, they'd pull over beside me. They'd say, do you want to ride? And I'd say, no, no, I'm walking. I'm getting some exercise. No, please get in. I said, no, no, I'm fine. And then someone else would pull along, and they'd want me to get in. And I'd, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm walking. And uh, please get in. And no. Um, and they said, no no money, you don't have to pay. And I said, no, I'm I'm out getting some exercise. And then one of them told me why this was going on is there was this belief among them that if you got your head wet when you were out, that you were going to get sick. And so they were watching out for me. And I thought, well, my head gets wet every day. In this country, I have two showers a day. You know, (laughs) I get a lot of wet head. But, But this broad belief was out there that people just kind of bought into because it was a group think kind of idea. We do get profoundly influenced by the way people think around us. And in this context of the church, we are reinforced in that Christian perspective and the Christian beliefs that we hold to. And something, you know, a way that we're built that maybe this will be a little bit of a shocking statement, but I believe that one of the purposes of the church is conflict. Uh, in Proverbs 27, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You take two 
blunt pieces of iron. You rub them together, and you get some sparks and some friction going on, but you keep rubbing them together, and they sharpen each other by doing that. And that also happens in the context of the church. Sometimes there's ideas that we have that get rubbed against and, you know, and get smoothed out through that conflict. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, again, we were with a, a friend from that church in Nelson, and she was saying, I remember one time you and my husband were in the kitchen talking, and, and suddenly the volume got raised, and we were worried you're having a fight, but we were talking theology. I mean, we were, we were you know, it's ideas about God, that, and he's kind of a loud, brash kind of talker, and he was being a bit loud and brash, and so just to, you know, keep the conversation going, I got a little bit louder too, and, but we had a lively debate is what was going on. But through those type of conversations, kind of even a conflict kind of thing, our ideas and our thoughts and our beliefs, they, they were being honed and shaped and refined, these things that we believe about God. And even in terms of hurt, if you go to church long enough, somebody's going to hurt you. Because we are a bunch of imperfect people being put together in, in close confines and working together. You know, if you just see somebody quickly at the counter buying a coffee, you can smile and have a pleasant day and all these kind of things. And, you know, only your very best uh, pre presentation of yourself gets seen. But have you ever gone camping with other people? You know, when you live together for a while, especially like a hiking type trip, you start to get to see more and more. The more you share life together, the more you see people's flaws and your own flaws start to come out too. And in that context, sometimes there's, there's things that happen. And in the context of church, sometimes someone will say something that's unkind or, or not thoughtful or, or someone won't recognize your contribution or appreciate what you've done or maybe they'll disappoint you in some way. That happens. And in the context of that, we get an opportunity to either grow through it or we can run away and probably face the same thing somewhere else. But I believe that that's part of how we, we grow is we learn to deal with with those difficult things together. Just like within the context of a marriage, we learn to deal with some of our differences as we work them out together. Fourth reason I love the church is because Jesus' presence is in the church in a special way. The end of that passage said that you're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now there's a way that God is always present with us, but there are ways that he manifests himself in special ways. And Jesus did say that when two or three gather together in my name, that I'm there in their midst with them. Jesus is here with us today because we're gathered together in his name. And sometimes he manifests his presence in special ways. And I've been in gatherings and meetings like that where, where he does that in very tangible ways. And sometimes you even have to throw out your agenda um, and just go along with what the Holy Spirit's doing. And sometimes it's just the way that he impacts people's lives. Like in that church in Nelson, there was a, a man, he knew someone from the church. And, uh, and this man, um, he was planning on murdering two people. And he was involved in witchcraft in Wicca. And uh, he was also a goldsmith. And he had taken some gold from a drug dealer in order to make a piece of jewelry. And he lost it. And so this, this guy that he'd had an acquaintance with from the church, he said, oh, I just wanted to say bye. You know, I, this is what's happened. I've lost this, lost this gold. I've tried every spell and incantation and everything I can think of. And nothing has made it, you know, I, it hasn't, you know, there's been no answer. Nothing's happened. I, I, I can't find this gold. 
And so I got to leave town because this guy's going to get me if I don't. You know, I've lost his gold. So the guy from the church, he says, well, could I pray for you? And the guy said, well, okay, I've tried everything else. And so he prayed for him and that the gold would be found and everything. And they hung up the phone. Only a few minutes later, this guy gets a phone call from someone saying, oh, yeah, that old pickup truck I've got, I was cleaning it out. And under the crew cab, under the back seat, you know, I found there's a briefcase that I think is yours. Turned out the gold was in that briefcase. So he phoned the guy from the church and said, hey, guess what happened? And so my friend, he said, well, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? And, and he came to church, and during the worship time, my wife had a bit of a, a, wor a prophetic word of encouragement. And, and this guy had had an amulet around his neck, and he broke that thing off. And there was something that changed in his heart. As a child, he'd been taught various scriptures, and they all started coming flooding back to him. And he took that amulet, and he put it in an offering envelope and wrote on it, Thank you for freedom from a lost path or from a wrong path. And he put that in the offering. And it was a wonderful testimony to what had happened. It also created a little bit of a problem for the people counting the offering. Like, oh, what do we do with this, right? <laughs> but, and this guy, I'm still in contact with him. He's still serving Jesus all these years later. But it was in that context of being together in church when Jesus is present in a special way that his heart was touched and his life was changed. It was transformed. When we gather, Jesus is here in a special way. Another reason I'll give you, well, actually I want to say one more thing about that. Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. And some people have misconstrued this a bit to where three Christians are golfing together, that's church. That's not what it says. <laughs> or three Christians are having coffee together, that's church. That's not what it says. It says, when, when two or three are gathered in my name, in other words, they're gathered as the church. It doesn't have to be on Sunday within the church building, but it is a gathering of the church that is taking place. So just wanted to clarify that point for you. So another reason I love the church is because Jesus' life shines through it. It says that in the church, God lives by his spirit. It doesn't live in a passive way but expresses and shines his light out from who we are. We are his hands and feet, his expression into the world. Now, just a couple years ago, the Canadian government was evaluating the church and taxation because the church gets various tax benefits. And there was this group kind of lobbying that any tax benefits be taken away from the church. So they were investigating the value of the church to the greater society. And there was a number of studies that took place, both by the government and then the church responded with some studies of its own. And do you know the conclusion of these? Is that the, the financial value of the church being in a community is 30 times greater than any tax advantage that's given to the church. I've been trained as a missionary. And in missions, there's a concept that's known as redemption and lift. As the gospel has spread in various places of the world, cities and nations and regions, wherever the church has taken hold, all areas have, of th human thriving have improved. Health has improved. Education has improved. Law and order has improved. Family lives have improved. Jesus expresses himself out through the church, his body. And the last, and a quick one, but... I love the church because it's the one thing that lasts. If you look around the room today, 
What's going to be in existence a couple hundred years from now? Will this pulpit or the microphone or the keyboard or the building or whatever, or maybe it'll take more than a couple hundred years. I don't know how long. But what lasts into eternity that's in the room here? It's just the people that make up the church. That's all that lasts. So if you're going for a long-term investment that's going to last, what should you be investing your life into? Into the church. It's the people that matter. That's the thing that's important. And that's the thing that Jesus loves, that he gave his life for, so that people could be reconciled with God and be part of that family that he's gathering together to spend eternity with. That's why he created us in the first place, is so that he could have a family to share his life with for all eternity. But unfortunately, we, we became alienated from him. And now we have this period of history where people get an opportunity to be reconciled to God. And I'm so happy to be one of those. And I want a lot more people to join me in being part of that eternal family. I love the church, and I hope that you love and appreciate it too. I'd like to pray for you, and I'll turn things back to Pastor, Pastor Brad. Lord, I'm just grateful for this expression of the church here today, for, for Hillside Church, and the 30 years that it's been an expression of your body in Airdrie. And I know that you love it too. And you know that the church isn't perfect, but, but it's your bride, your family, your body that you love. And, and, uh, and so I pray, Lord, that the same love and care and affection that you have for it, give us that as well. That we wouldn't be those who would be quick to criticize the church but to recognize it for what it is in your eyes and support it and build into it and see it thrive and grow. That as you build the church through us, you said that the death will not prevail against it, that death will not, it will go beyond death into eternity. So help us build it now in the ways that we can. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You made the rain, so when it falls on me, should I complain? Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. You are the joy. You're the smile on the face of your boy. You're the flowers at the park in Detroit. Still the words on the back of our coins. Let's make some noise. You cover me, my defender, when you're rolling up your sleeve. You're the truth that's gonna set the captive free. The only king that's ever chose to bleed. That's what I believe. But they keep trying to make your glory fade. But I ain't really sweating what they say. Ain't no doubt about you.
I can still see the sunshine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the goodness. Through the good and the bad and the ugly, I can still feel the sunshine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good, you're the good, you're the good. You're the good. You're the good.